Welcome back to yet another episode of Rabbit Ears. Uh, I have with me frequent returning guests because he lives with me and watches a lot of stuff that I want to talk about. So, welcome back, Dan, aka the Bubby, aka Drew Hallam. If you're looking at your five stream cup, what's up, Bub? Hi. How are you? Fine. Oh, it's gonna be like that. <laughs> like messing with you. It's fun. Uh, I'm, I'm, it's so mean. No, it's not. It's fun. Uh, I'm fine. I'm legitimately fine. Everything's fine. We're all fine here. It's cold. It is cold. We had our second little snow... I don't want to call it a snowstorm. We had snow again, like, two weekends in a row, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyhow, it's like 16 degrees outside, so we're staying inside. I've got a hot cup of tea and a home-knit blanket and two dogs and an annoying bubby, so it's a good weekend. You're annoying. Yeah, I was the annoying Bubby. Oh, good. No, it's you. Obviously, it's you. All right, Bub. So, I know that you were on not that long ago, but is there any TV show that you would like to talk about as having seen since last time you were on? Uh, I have watched about 26 episodes of Naruto. Of what? Naruto. Is that- It's the the anime that- it's, It's an anime. Uh, that you, when you come to bed and you're like, oh, are you still watching that? And then you're like, turn it off, otherwise I can't read. Okay, well, that's a very good impression of me. That is. So, congratulations. You're yeah, that's super accurate. All I ever do is nag. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, yeah, that's that's the show I'm watching. I've been watching while you've, uh, while you've been in the other room. Or, like, when I'm working, I'll be watching that, because it doesn't take a lot of brain power to watch. Uh, I did skip an entire episode because it was basically like a fucking clip show about 20 episodes in. So that was good job, anime. I mean, there's no sexual assault yet. So thank God for that. That's an uptick from what you've been watching. Well, anime wise, yes. I mean, this yeah, is no <laughs> high rise invasion. Ugh, that one I tapped out after one episode. That was bad. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Up, up, upskirts of like fifteen-year-old girls are are not my kind of thing that I like to see in my anime. Thank God for that. Anything else? Uh no, no. That's it. I'm, other than the stuff I watched with my show, nothing. Okay. Well, I, on the other hand, because I always watch a fuck ton of TV, in the last month I watched season two of Cheer, which was an emotional roller coaster. I watched Hacks on HBO. I watched all of season two of Dexter. I watched the first episode or two of The Invincible. I watched most of The Great. I watched a lot of season two of The Boys and The Witcher we watched together and some Cobra Kai. So, you know, pretty slow month. Not And that's not including all of my Housewives Bravo shit. That's true. That isn't including that, uh, which is a lot of stuff that I've watched, uh, and I made my first Bravo Housewives tweet ever saying that Michael Darby is a fucking piece of shit. He is 
it's he's infuriating to watch and i there has to be something between them that we don't know about that is keeping her with this man because he looks like fucking Gollum and he acts like a 1950s house husband that is just unhuman and i can't stand him and i can't think of any words and now i'm getting frustrated because michael darby has me tongue twisted shame on him so yeah yeah. uh did you talk about uh ultimate girl's trip or is that with your was that was that last i mentioned it with emily when she and i talked i don't remember how much of it made it onto air or not but since ultimate girl's trip Real Housewives of Miami has come back, and it's on Peacock, and it is fucking perfection. I think they're like six episodes in, and it's all of the things that we love about classic Housewives, but it still feels fresh. These bitches are fucking rich, and it's amazing. It's amazing. Although Adriana pulled a full-on Ramona, and she wanted to try to claim the master bedroom at this Hamptons house, and so, like, only one person was going to get to have their own bedroom. Everybody else had to share. So Adriana went into the master bedroom and was like, oh, this is big enough for two people. We'll share this, and stripped down and got in this woman's bathtub and was just fucking full-on Ramona or ultimate girl Oh, oh that, is, that is Ramona from Girl Strip right there. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who are unaware, uh, Ramona, what she did was on the girls' trip, she basically like fucking uh, picked a room and then got in the shower, so that way everyone understood that it was her room. That's not how that works. A lot of people saw this sixty-five-year-old woman butt-ass naked. It was super disturbing. Also, you had Michael uh, and and Luann. Michael. That's his name, Michael. Yeah, it was Michael and Luann just. I don't know how that man's still married. I don't know that he is, but that was he was that was all super inappropriate. Anyhow, I love that you have good enough hearing that you absorb and are aware of all the stuff that's happening on my Bravo shows because I only have you and Leah and sometimes Emily to talk with about it. So I love it. And my whole Bravo meme community, but that doesn't count. They're not real people. Well, you're not a real person. That's true. All right, Bubby, are you ready to talk about the OA? Oh, first of all, I just want to say This series is one of my favorite series, maybe, that I've watched in the last few years. So I'm going to highly recommend it. I don't think enough people have seen it. So that's true. I mean, hopefully, I right, save the OA. Hopefully, you are listening to this and you've watched some of it. We are going to be spoiling the shit out of it. Um, But it's still really good, even if you know what's happening. But it's better if you don't. So highly recommend you go watch it and then you come back and listen. Or you can just listen. I can't control you. Do whatever you're going to do. What is my advice? It's nothing. Okay. All right, bubs. So the OA premiered in 2016 alongside Real Housewives of Potomac, Stranger Things, The Get Down in the Good Place. The movies from that year were La La Land, Train to Busan, Deadpool, Batman v Superman, and Captain America Civil War. Say, Say the full title. Which one? It's Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice. Come Dawn on. Dawn of Justice. Sorry. Um, the music, we had Closer by the Chainsmokers featuring Halsey, which I had to look that one up on YouTube. I did not know which one that was, but I'm familiar with the song. Uh, the reason why you're mentioning that song is because they say uh, Blink-182 song at one point. Uh, so, yes. Sure. That's why I picked it. That, um, that isn't why you Blink. wait. No, p- pause. That isn't why you picked it. No, I just picked it because it was the number one song of the year on all the lists. Oh, yeah. There, there's literally a lyric that says, uh, "Play that Blink One Eighty Two song." Oh so. well, then yeah, I totally picked it for that reason. Oh, by the by, Dan got fucking held up at the grocery store. Like, what was that week or oh, two I ago? I wanted to die. I've never wanted to die harder in my life. <laughs> die hard with a vengeance. He had on his Blink-182 hoodie, and this woman like started asking him, like, do you like that band? And got him stuck for like 10, 15 minutes in like conversation. 20 minutes. 20 it was like 20 minutes. And she tried to drag another poor soul into the conversation. Because he, he thought, like, oh, I can try to diffuse this conversation. Like, I think he understood my pain. He understood what I was going through. So he's like, I'm going to try to diffuse this conversation. And he was just like... Okay, yeah, so now I've said my thing, and the woman just started talking to him, and then he's like, yep, and just started slowly walking away. That's and what then, you gotta do. And you then just turned gotta her leave. attention back to me, and I'm like, 
well, I'm, I'm stuck. I appreciate you, man. But you, you, like, I appreciate your attempted sacrifice, but, like, it didn't work. And so I got stuck talking to her for another five minutes. So Do you now, know how to get. Go ahead. And now I wear nondescript clothing when I go to the store. Because the, the, the other time I went to fucking Jimmy John's, or not Jimmy John's, um, Jersey Mike's, I was wearing my, uh, my track jacket, my TSM track jacket. And one of the kids behind the counter was like, hey, are you, like, do you game for TSM? And I just went, what? No. What? No. What, what, are, you, what are you talking about? Uh, and, like, so we, got, we talked about gaming for a little bit. But I was like, okay. Like, that was, that was like a fine, it was like a two-minute thing. I took my sandwich and then I went home. And I was like, okay, cool. I got to leave. Okay. Well, not the I'm worst gonna... interaction, but. Ugh. This is how you get out of those conversations, Bubby. You just go, I have to return some videotapes, and then walk away. If they go, you're leaving, where are you going? You go, I'm just leaving. It's from American Psycho, which you are. Okay, so the other songs that year, we had Hotline, Bling by Drake, Can't Stop the Feeling by Justin Timberlake, and Can't Feel My Face by The Weeknd. I don't know which song that is, but I trust that you do. I can't feel my face when I'm with you, but I love it. Oh, okay. Got it. Um, pop culture-wise, Pokemon Go Mania swept the globe. Fuck yeah, it did. Uh, many people were seeing clowns in discreet, usually wooded areas. Uh, there was... This is going to get a little dark. Um, when I was reading over like some of the highlights on one of the websites, I shit you not, there was, I believe... 14 different shooting incidents that were mentioned, and of that, seven of them were unarmed people being shot by the police. Um, in addition to that, we had the mass shooting at the Gay, Cu- gay Club Pulse in Orlando, mm-hmm. which killed 49 and injured more than 50 others. Um, Debbie Reynolds, star of Singing in the Rain and many other things, died the day after her daughter Carrie Fisher passed away. Halloween Town. That's her most iconic role. There you go. Other notable deaths of 2016. I think there was like 119 that were listed, but uh, we lost Alan Rickman, Prince, David Bowie, Anton Yelchin, Gene Wilder, Muhammad Ali, and like I said, Carrie Fisher and Debbie Reynolds. Oh my God, they're playing Prince! <laughs> So that was sad. And that actually, though, it relates a little bit to the show we're doing because, you know, near-death experiences and death and afterlife and all that shit. So taking that positive spin on it, the OA ran from 2016 to 2019 for two seasons, 16 episodes on Netflix. It's rated an 8, excuse me, a 7.8 out of 10 on IMDb and was created and written by Britt Marling and Zal Batmanglish. I think that's how you say his name. Well, whenever I tag him in the tweet that of you announcing the episode, uh, he'll, he'll be sure to correct us after he listens. Sorry if I said it wrong. I was trying to pronounce it every time the titles would come up over each episode. I was like, Batmanglish? Batmanglish. I don't know. Batman glitch. Um, the summary. Having gone missing seven years ago, the previously blind Prairie returns home with her sight restored. While many believe she is a miracle, others worry she could be dangerous. The series stars Britt Marling, Jason Isaacs, Emery, Emery Cohen, my fucking speech impediment, Patrick Gibson, Ian Alexander, Phyllis Smith, Brendan Meyer, uh, Brandon Perea, Will Brill, Sharon Von Etten, Paz Vega, and Kingsley Benamir, for the most part. There's obviously, like, those are the main characters that we deal with over the course of the series. Mm-hmm. All right, Bubby, what do you like about the OA? I like that you like it. <laughs> really? What? What do you like about it? I like that you like it. That's part of, that's part of it. Uh, okay. I, I think this is, like, one of those shows that, like, you and I kind of first bonded over. We're like, oh, my God, we both like this show. I can't believe it. What a fucking weird concept that two people like this show that, because, uh, like, really no one else had, like, heard of this. Like, they watched the first season and it was just like, holy shit, people need to be talking about this show. And then, uh, of course, the show goes dark for two and a half years, which, you know, tremendous recipe for success. Let's see how Stranger Things Season 4 handles that. No shit. Uh, and, then, and then, you know, we, we, we watched that basically 
that second. Then we do a, a whole podcast episode where it's you and me talking about Arrested Development Season 5 or Season 6. And then the OA Season 2 are like, Arrested Development, garbage. OA, pretty great. Everybody should watch this fucking show. They should. It's the first episode sucks you in in a way that I don't think many first episodes in series have done or will be able to do. Like, I love that they don't drop the intro credits until 50 minutes into the first episode and she starts telling her backstory to all the kids in the abandoned house. It's just, it's so cool and it's so magical. I love that. Um, I love that you can never really tell if OA is mentally ill or not. Um, Britt Marling's performance is so raw and earnest. You want to believe her. And she's semi-omniscient and kind of otherworldly. Like there's that time when she and Steve are like getting her clothes because she's pretending to be his stepmom. And she's like, you have to work on the invisible self and like close your eyes. And he like mouths that it's boring. And then she says from the dressing room, yeah, I know it's boring. And his eyes are just like, what the fuck? fuck? So like there's, there's, Things that make you believe both sides of it throughout the whole first season that I think is just really cool. And yeah. then, yeah, go ahead. I think that's the thing, though, was like, I really like season one. And had I not known that there was a season two coming, I think I would have been okay with that. Because I think season one leaves you in such an ambiguous spot at the end of it where you're just like, I am fine with this. This is entirely interpretational, and I can go with it from where I can take it however I wanted to. Was this a mentally ill woman who actually believed that she was going to a, a fucking different dimension? Who the fuck knows? Let's find out. Well, I mean, yeah, and, and of course, like we we do find out in season two, like the show has to continue. So of course she she does the thing, but you know, uh, and, and I think that's kind of why I'm more, eh. Not upset. I, like I don't care anymore. Like I, I become so numb to the 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 Netflix cancellations of shit because uh, most of the time I understand it's for it's because it's a fucking business. If no one watches your show, why would you keep airing your show? I'm sorry, everybody. I know you like the show, but just because you like the show doesn't mean anybody else likes the show. However, the way that this series ended. The hashtag save the OA to bring it back would have been completely in line with the series and been so meta. It would have been amazing. That's what kept me thinking that it was going to happen was that they went for a very meta ending and then or or for the second season, at least. And you're like, holy fuck, how are they going to work on this shit? And then they didn't. Because, like, it's like the show got canceled uh, very quietly. It wasn't like if Netflix put out something being like, yeah, Britt Marling was injured during shooting or something, or like the, the shooting of the show, we would have all been like, oh, everyone who watched the show would be like, oh, yeah, here we go. But no, it was just quietly canceled like everything else Netflix does. They don't like to announce their cancellations. They just kind of feed it to journalists and like, hey, this fucking show just got canceled. We're done. Uh, You'll hear it from, like, cast members being like, so the OA is done, or, like, one day at a time is done. We need you to save our show. It's so important. What was the show that you hated so much with, I think, Naomi Watts in it? What was that one? Oh, fuck. Gypsy. Yeah, that one. Gypsy. Yeah. Uh, I didn't hate that show. I hated the fans of that show. Yes. Because we watched five. Nick and I were going to do a thing for it. We, We watched five. I watched five episodes of it. And Nick watched about, I want to say about five episodes, too. And just, like, Nick's reaction, Nick's reactions on Twitter, like, Nick is a very hyperbolic person. So, like, <laughs> that's, uh, that's like, part of his shtick. Nick, you have a shtick. I'm sorry. You have a shtick. But he's very hyperbolic, and he's just like, holy fuck, some of this writing is garbage. And the fucking fans just started attacking him. Like there was a couple fan, there were a couple fans that were like, "No, it's like your opinion. We're glad, we're glad you're at least like looking at the show and giving it a chance." But there were just people being like, "You're fucking wrong!" Like, epic film guys, and more like epic fail guys, which is the most unoriginal. <laughs> which like people defending that kind of writing, uh, having that insult. Uh, I want you to understand how unoriginal you are. But yeah, so like we gave up on watching that show and said "fuck you" to the show because of the fans. People tend to ruin things. Anyang. Anyang says save Gypsy. She's really upset about what you're saying Anyang, about well, her Anyang, show. we're going to start throwing that on after, um, when after, whenever Ashley leaves on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday. And that way you can watch that Anyang. She says okay. She's down with it. Don't be, you're not on the podcast. Zip it. She could okay. Be. 
I mean, she is a little bit. Okay, so other things that I loved about the show, I liked the way that the metaphysical was explained and portrayed, like, when they showed the afterlife with all, like, the stars. Like, it was amazing to watch on our TV. It looked so cool and, like, tune and thank you. All the stuff with the afterlife and all that shit was super cool. Um, the bonds formed between the characters as the series progresses is... Like, everything in the show is hard-earned and fought for, which makes it more rewarding when you get to where you're going. Does that make sense? Can you stop clipping your nails? No. Are you I'm fucking serious they're, right now? They're, they're bugging me. Oh, you're bugging me. I mean, yeah. Like, like that stuff's all cool. Like, I, I like the thoughtful nature of what actually happens when you die. Like, it, it does something happen when you die. Like, it reminds me a lot of uh, this Netflix movie called The Discovery uh, that no one else watched. That, but I like didn't it's, watch it. it's Jason Siegel, Rooney Mara, and uh, Robert Redford, which like the Robert Redford part's like the craziest part about it. But because it's Robert Redford in a Netflix movie, like who would have ever seen that coming? But like it, it's all about like this scientist trying to figure out what happens when you die, and he figures it out, and he's like, "Oh, there's this other fucking space that you go to that uh, that you know it's like heaven, and so there's like a fucking mass suicide." On planet Earth after this information gets revealed, which is how you know this is science fiction, because a scientist tells people something and they actually listen. (laughs) True. Uh, I think it came out around the same time as the OA. I think the OA was like late 2016. The Discovery, I think, had already been in film festivals. So like that was uh, and came out in 2017. So like they were like simpatico in in a way in terms of like how they both approached the the metaphysical nature of the afterlife. Okay. Well, I wrote it down. Maybe I'll watch it at some point. Just get high and watch it. I mean, okay. So watching this show stoned was fucking awesome. Like the visuals, especially season two, like the production value is so cool. And they're doing all these like trippy things. And it like makes you think, cause I already like to get philosophical when I'm stoned. So this show was just like feeding into that. It was so cool. There has there's so much stuff. Like I like the backstory with her and Russia, which I didn't see that coming, and like her father and like her whole story from the beginning was just fascinating to me. So yeah. Right. You can't nod as your response on a podcast. Yeah, I can. I can do whatever I want. <laughs> Visual storytelling. You are so difficult on purpose. You can't annoy me here. It's rude. It's fine. Oh my god. Okay, so who are some of your favorite characters on the series? Uh, well, of course, we have uh, Kareem Washington, uh, a character I was so drawn to, and you were just like, I don't understand your fucking problem, Dan. What is, what's wrong with you? Who, me? Yeah. The, I remember the first time around being like, why do you like Kareem Washington so much? And I was just like, I don't know, man. There, there's just something about this guy. And it turns out it's Kingsley Benadir because uh, he played Malcolm X in uh, One Night in Miami. And uh, which actually that's something else, that's something else the show's kind of nuts for is like they they grab these these actors like slightly before they're about to hit like because um, you have King, Kingsley Benadire in in this uh, in the first season you had Riz Ahmed who this was around the time maybe even slightly before Rogue One where he's the uh, the the former rebel pilot or the former Imperial pilot who Ro- you know, Rogue One him. came out this year by the way okay. in twenty sixteen. So, so it was like same time, basically then, and then and then he goes on to do Sound of Metal, which he gets a Best Actor nomination for last year. Okay. So like the show's very good at finding like random fucking talent that actually turns out to be excellent. Okay. But yes, yeah, so the Kareem Washington angle, like I, I just like my noir shit. Like man, I, I I love detective stories. I like you know people solving mysteries. Uh, it's not a detective movie per se, but you know Under the Silver Lake is very noir. I love that movie, and that this was kind of like that throwback to it, uh, without being like, you know, openly like, oh my god, look, we're a a, th- a noir thriller thing with this storyline. Well, I'm rewatching Jessica Jones right now because next month I've got um, Hurley Sam or Surly Ham coming in um, to do Jessica Jones, so that's a very noir type of vibe too. So I guess. Yes, I'm in that world already, and I can understand what you're saying. Who else do you like? Uh, BBA. Yes. Because BBA. Yes, I love Phyllis 
Smith, that's her real name, having, like, some actual stuff to do. Like, she has some emotional stuff because of, like, her twin brother, and she starts to bond with these kids, and she kind of, like, when O.A. goes and, like, meets with her after Steve's being a dick, and, like, oh, Steve punched that kid in the throat. That's what it was. Mm. And you can see that, like, O.A. is, like, speaking to her soul and is, like, moved something in her. Like, it's just, I don't know. I like seeing her doing more than just being Phyllis with her mob boss, Bob Vance boyfriend. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, like her her stuff, especially in, like, season two, whenever, you know, they're, like, when it's like, oh, my God, there's a nationwide manhunt for this woman who's kidnapped, like, four fucking kids. And you're like, oh, fuck. This poor woman. And, like, her reconciliation with her family and, like, trying to get around that. Like, that, that old storyline's kind of kind of cool. Yeah. Um, okay, so some of my favorite characters, obviously OA. I found Brett Marling's performance to just be so captivating and so, like I said, raw. Like something about she just brought so much to that character and made you believe both sides of the coin could be true, like mentally ill or freaking angel. Who knows? And she <laughs> has like this conviction with her character and like there's kind of an overarching theme of like being willful enough to bring stuff into existence where she just is so determined that something that she believes in something and it makes it happen. Does that make, yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting a little fucking flowery with my language because I don't know. I feel like this show kind of tries to crack open your brain and make you think about things differently. So there's that. Right. Um, I liked uh, Reza Ahmed's character, the FBI trauma counselor. And I loved like when Nancy and Abel go to pick her up at one point and Nancy's like trying to, I don't know, get the counselor to side with her or to understand her. And he just like checks her like, no, I'm not telling you this stuff. And if you want to ask, go to her. She's her own person. Like, we're not going to talk about her behind her back. So I liked that. And then um, season two, we get uh, Angie, which is Steve's girlfriend. Mm -hmm. I just, there was stuff that I liked about her character where she was like, just checking some of his alpha male behavior and his stupidness. Like she just wasn't going to tolerate a certain level of buffoonery. And I, I forget, I didn't write examples, but it's true. And then I liked Abel a lot, the adopted father. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Abel's, I, I love Abel. Uh, Abel is the grounding that family kind of needs. Uh, he, he's strong, but also like very firm in how he in what he believes. So, yeah, I, I love Abel. There's a level of compassion to him that Nancy sorely lacks. Like I, Nancy's one of my least favorite characters. She just correct. Ugh. she is a fucking nightmare. All my homies hate Nancy. Well, yeah, and she. There's one point where she's like admits that she wanted to take Prairie as their kid because they were, like, doing that fucking substandard adoption at the Russian whorehouse. And she's like, I just wanted her because she was blind and she would always need me. I'm like, well, that's super fucked up of you. That's, yeah. And then there was that scene where she slapped away at the Olive Garden. So we mm -hmm. never really recovered from her after that. She's just a nightmare. And right. then French's mom sucked. But she was supposed Prince's to. Prince's mom sucks. Yeah, yeah, and that's the point. And season one, Scott sucked. Season one, Scott is fucking awful. I hate season one, Scott, with a passion. Uh, I think it carried over a bit to season two, because uh, I don't really care about what's, what happened to fucking Scott. But yeah, I'm just, you know, I just wasn't happy about Scott existing. Well, who else don't you like? I mean, you pretty much just nailed it. I, I don't have, outside of Nancy and Scott, uh, I don't really have many problems with any of the characters. I understand where Nancy's coming from, but, like, it's a lot of her projecting what she feels that, you know, Prairie should be going through right now uh, onto what Prairie's actually going through. It reminds me a lot of, like, Pieces of a Woman. Where, which is not a Netflix movie, but, like, uh, where Vanessa Kirby uh, has a, like, her baby dies due to some accident uh during childbirth and her entire family's enraged and like you need to sue this woman she needs to go to prison for killing your child and Vanessa Kirby's just like I just kind of want to move on from this and you know 
not go through more additional trauma just because you guys are upset with how everything went down. And that's not Britt Marling's, uh, it's not the OA's like character per se, but it's also like, she's very driven towards this one mission that she has in order to get to another dimension to help all the people she just helped and was just hanging out with uh, and spent all those years with because she's formed a relationship with them. I mean, that's a bond that is crazy. Like her and Homer at the beginning of the season one, she's obsessed with finding Homer, but it's not until almost three quarters of the way through season one that we write, like start to fully understand their relationship and it makes sense her level of obsession with trying to get back to him at the beginning so that was cool there's this story just takes you on such a freaking wild ride and i'm i just like love watching it over and over again because it's such a mind fuck like the whole concept of near-death experiences and that some scientist would want to study them to the point where he is kidnapping and keeping captive people just to kill them over and over again is so fucked. Mm -hmm. And Jason Isaacs is phenomenal in this role. Like he, he has so much more to do with this obviously than he ever did as an equally terrible character, Lucius Malfoy, but he's got so much more shit to do here. And he's, I think he's 10 times more evil in this than anything I've ever seen him in. Yeah. I mean, it's Jason Isaacs. Uh, probably his finest because like this is the most meat he's had on a roll to really have. Like Lucius Malfoy, you hate him because you're supposed to. Uh, like you, you don't you don't hate Lucius, Lucius Malfoy because like you you build to that. It's just like oh this guy fucking sucks. Like his son's a racist, so therefore the dad has to be a racist. And here we go. So uh, yeah, like I this in this role like he's very charming when you first meet him with Prairie, and then it just develops into like oh there's there's this psychopathic man who just captures people who are who've uh, died before, had NDEs before, and, you know, uh, wants to figure out what's up with them and how, how that works. He's a very, like, he's the definition of the ends justify the means type of mentality, and he can't understand that what he's, he either can't or won't understand the gravity of what he's doing to these people. Um, there's one point when he's trying to get Renata, and he uses Homer to, like, kind of bait her, and mm-hmm. he's forced in that situation because he like takes homer out to eat or he's like doing stuff and he sees the actual fallout of what he's done to these people because like they're so traumatized and they're so like mentally fucked up and instead of like i don't know realizing that what he's doing is bad he just wants to get it out of his sight so he doesn't have to see it anymore and he can keep doing his fucked up shit right he's he but there's parts of his character that I don't want to say like I can understand, but that makes him he's not all evil. There's like little parts of him that he's almost nice and he's almost doing decent things. But then he just like turns around and, you know, hits Britt Marling in the back of the head with a gun butt to the point where she fucking dies. So there's that. Right. Right, because he's a piece of shit. Like, like you said, he the ends justify the means, and all he wants to do is figure out his experiment. Uh, he doesn't see them as people; he just sees them as, uh, you know, lab rats for the most part. Yeah. All right. Well, what are some of your favorite moments or episodes or whatever with the series? Um, I can. It's been a while. When was the last time you watched this all the way through? All the way through would be twenty nineteen. Okay. It would probably be um, as the ambulances. The, like my favorite part is definitely like where Prairie is taken away in the ambulance, and you're like, "The fuck!" Like, it, like, like I said, I feel like if you cut off the show at that point, everything I, I would have been like more than okay with it because like that ending is is it starts a conversation piece. Like, of course, like the the stuff before that with the shooter going around. I know that's not everyone's cup of tea. I've even heard that, but like. Like having her die, get shot during the the school shooter experience, and her going to a different dimension. Maybe who the fuck knows? Maybe this woman is incredibly mentally ill, and Nancy had a point, and she just wanted her her daughter back, and never got her back because she was so mentally ill. But then you know, in, instead we find out for sure that like, oh no, this woman was right. Uh, she she might have seemed off her rocker, but everybody else is just wrong and stupid. You haven't. You have to expand your brain, man. Um, 
Okay, so some of my favorite things about the series, there is, like I said, a lot of what you get in this show is fought for and hard won, but you'll get things like Steve at the beginning of the series is just such a fucking dickhead, asshole, Neanderthal. But through OA's storytelling and the bonds he's formed with people, he is trying to do better and you can see him changing and his relationship with BBA specifically, like he's walking her out to her car. He's, and then she goes and rescues him when he gets taken by, I guess, the Asheville people. Mm-hmm. And she fucking, my, one of my favorite lines is when she's on the phone with, I think, the principal and she's just like, says that she she's like slips ugh, slips up and kind of says like what she's doing but then she's like i gotta go i'm eating a sandwich i fucking love that line <laughs> right <laughs> um i love the whole rescue mission for that matter when she gets tries to get steve back and fails miserably and just gives the guys the money and that's great um And then the whole looking through the rose window and realizing that the truth is that this is a TV series starring Britt Marling and Jason Isaacs. Like, that shit... It, that, that shit sh- blew my mind. I had no that idea. That shit when we first watched it was fucking insane. I was like, wait, what? And then just watching it, it, it like, devolve from there, like, what the fuck, man? Well, then, so, in the end of both seasons, it's Britt Marling leaving in an ambulance, which I didn't even realize until just now. But at the end of season two, fucking this guy is chasing the ambulance and jumps in and it's Steve and he looks at Hap and says, hello, Hap. I was like, I want so badly to see what happens after that. And I never will. That makes me so sad. Well, yeah. I mean, it sucks. Uh, But it is what it is. Like, uh, again, you can't have a two. it It was two. It was actually, what, 27 months between seasons? That's crazy. You can't. You can't. I'm sorry that it, it already wasn't like a super popular show as it was. You can't like I know this was like a passion project for them, but like you can't take that long to you know satisfy the next audience. Like there there has to be some kind of build towards that second season, and it it just wasn't it wasn't there. There was no hype going into it, so of course no one was going to watch it. They could. There was no way to build momentum with that much time off in between, and there's so many things that you can watch, especially with streaming. Like you have to. You have to keep them on the hook, man. You just have to. Right. Um, all right. So what don't you like about the show? There's very little I don't like about the show. I think I said it the first time we re- re- watched this. I was like, man, for like eight episodes, it was just some Nancy th- shit thrown in there. But like, there's really not like a a reason for you to not believe Prairie. Like, I, I don't think like Nancy just. It's it all comes from Nancy, and there's not much of a reason to not believe Nancy, like or to like not dismiss Nancy immediately, because like she's just a mom being overprotective. Like, of course she thinks her her daughter has gone fucking crazy. So like, w- why why is she the only one with a dissenting opinion? Now, of course the kids bring up other stuff, but like you know they're kids. Of course they're going to be brainwashed by this woman. So like, there's not much of a dissenting dissenting opinion on why Prairie or like. Why no one is like, huh, we sure about this? Like, do, do we actually believe this shit? Like, it, it doesn't really happen until the final episode of the first season, and it kind of feels rushed from there. Okay. I mean, this woman is telling, spinning quite a yarn, as it were, with what she's telling these kids. And there is, the whole time, especially in season, well, mostly in season one, you're being shown, like, two sides of the same coin, like... Prairie's having these premonition dreams that are showing her something that's going to happen. But then she's convinced that her father, like she's going to the doctor or whatever. They're saying that her father is being chased. Like, who's the Russian mafia? The Russian mafia is after her dad and X, Y, Z. So like, okay, your kid's kid's a little crazy. So we're going to put her on some medication. So at an early age, this kid is diagnosed with some sort of like mental issue. And then it just keeps, like, growing from there where you're, like, is she or isn't she? Mm-hmm. You never really have a good idea about that. And then French finds those books under her bed and is convinced that she made the whole thing up. So, I feel like it was, it's a hard <gasps> thing. Zip it. It's a hard thing to believe because it's so fantastical. So, I get that there's 
there would be doubt. But like you said, there's not a whole lot mm-hmm. coming from them. Right. Yeah. Um, the, the other thing I don't like about the show is the, <laughs> the fan base. The fan base is just the fucking worst. Like, so I wanted to figure this out. I wanted to see, like, what was the interest of the OAC part two going into it? Because uh, the OA part one or season one, uh, it, it just says the OA. So we don't actually like there's it doesn't seem like there's actually like a fucking um like there's ever planned to be a second season. I don't, I don't know about that, but uh, uh, that has seven million views on YouTube as of right now. The trailer for part two has 1.6 million views. I'm sorry. That's a massive fucking decrease Fuck. in, in terms of any kind of interest. And, you know, seeing a lot of these comments, which are like, I will never understand how you could ca- cancel this masterpiece to make these stupid teen films just like thousands of others that already exist. I still stay up at night wondering where the show will go next with season three. And it drives me crazy. The execs at Netflix robbed a, a huge We'll get back to huge, very passionate. That's true. Fan base on, on of one of the most original, ridiculously well crafted shows to ever drop on Netflix. I'm still holding out, hoping at least get the rest of the story in some other form. I mean, God, I'm sorry, but like a drop from seven million views to one point six million views on a yeah. trailer, like in terms of interest after two two years, like no one. I'm sorry, no one watched the show of any consequence. Maybe the show got ten, twelve million views. Maybe. Maybe. That's not good enough. That's not good enough to, to put people on fucking retainer for two years and be like, all right, I'm actually close to three years. No, it's two years. Like, you, you can't be like, yeah, just do whatever you want. Like, they can tell the Stranger Things kids, like, can, and those people can do whatever they want because that show uh, is a subscription seller. People sc- subscribe to Netflix to watch that show. I'm sorry. Not as many people subscribe to Netflix to watch the OA. It sucks. I like the show. I really do like the show. I want that fucking clear. I like the show. But, like, at some point, you have to understand fucking business. And the business is not about what you want. It's about what makes fucking sense in terms of dollars. Yes, Buffy. Yes. Um... Things that I don't like about this show. I don't need graphic sex scenes of kids in high school. That's one. Yeah, that that was weird. That was weird. Um, And I feel like in season two, the choice to have Homer with a beard made him look like Al Borland. Al Borland, And that was yep. really disturbing. He even had on plaid at one point. I was like, this fucking guy. Nobody is sweating his nuts. Let's believe that. Yeah. Whatever. It, it, it was a weird choice, but they, they made a choice. They went. You know, they had to represent Homer in a different way because he wasn't exactly Homer until the very end. Yes, he was Dr. Roberts. Oh, I forgot to mention the things that I like. Okay, hold on. I have, I'm going through my big list. Yeah, so you there's, got a big list. I got a big list. Okay, so when Hap is using Homer to trap Renata, like he's so bothered and upset by the connection between Homer and OA, he's doing whatever he can to fucking, like, throw a wrench into that i think at one point they even like their heartbeats or something they were doing was like lined up because he had like monitors on both of them Mm. and so then he decides to broadcast into the little prison the lovemaking noises of homer and renata and fucking oa is just so happy that homer's alive she doesn't even care so like that just speaks on so many levels to the characters and their line of thinking and shit like that. Like, it just, it's cool. Um, seeing Scott revived by the movements was just one of those things that I never expected to happen and kind of just brought shit to a whole new level. Right. Um, oh, and then again, another fucking shit I didn't expect to happen. Hap gets busted by the sheriff and he's like sitting there with his headphones in and the sheriff comes up behind him and you think, hooray, these people are saved. Mm. And no, they're not. Because Hap somehow convinces this guy to bring his, what's his wife got? Parkinson's? Or something no, like it's, that. No, it's something that's way worse. Um, So yeah, and then turns out she's the one who had the fifth movement and she's been waiting all this time to give it to them. So that mm. was fucking cool. Um, I liked a lot of, season two I didn't expect to be back in the original dimension, but there's two full episodes dedicated to BBA and the kids. And then the last episode is like 
a hybrid of both dimensions all coming to a climax. So that was cool. Right. Um, and then the house puzzle was super trippy and cool. And then all of the fucking, the shit that fucked me up mentally was like, they have this gas that ha- pumps into their prison to knock mm-hmm. them out. So then he can basically, it lets them be controlled or they have to like do what he It's like Simon says, but they have right. to like fake it. So Homer, this like multiple times is going in and having to pretend like he had no response to just being murdered. And like the way that he does it is like basically just drowns your head. Right. And so it took like three or four years and Homer at the end is able to do it. And that just like is super fucked up. Yeah. Yeah, it takes it's so it takes place over years too. It's not even like you know o- over the course of like a few days. No, it's it's years of him fucking killing Homer in order to get this shit. It's just crazy. This show is just a mind fuck on so many levels, but I love it. Okay, is there anything you would do differently about the show or with the show? Uh, other than you know, have a second season ready to go, like with with ideas ready to go in the next year, in order to keep interest going. Like it, you know, if it dis- end of December twenty seventeen, you get season like part two of the OA instead. Like, I think that fixes a lot of issues. Uh, I I think we're not. I th- it's probable we're not talking about a cancellation, or even like end of the year tw- like middle of the year twenty eighteen. Like eighteen months between seasons ain't, ain't bad. I'll take that. But the fact that it's it took so long and Netflix has to, like, Netflix is looking at this like, okay, are these people actually any good? Because, like, it's a two-person creative team on it. Like, are these people actually any good? Are we getting our money's worth out of this? And they're probably looking at it being like, well, no, not with two seasons in such a long period of time. Like, this this ain't it, bro. So, yeah, I would I would speed up the timeline a little bit. Uh, or if you're not gonna, if you're like, man, we're really struggling with the second season, we can't do it, just end it after the first season, and just leave it as the conversation piece. I will say season two had a production value that was far improved. Like, the first season was great, but like, second season, they were at so many more locations and doing mm-hmm. so many more fantastic things over a period of time, so I, like the I could see where the time went. Do what? Like the octopus. The octopus, fucking old night. Mm-hmm. It was that house was just super fucked up. Like there was that whole mystery that Kareem was following that kind of took you on this trip that ended with him calling to Michelle through the rose window and pulling her back into her original dimension. Like it's just, it's trippy in a good way. I don't know that, I mean, aside from like you said, Having season two come out sooner, so then hopefully we would have gotten a season three. There's not really much else I would do differently with this show. I feel like it tells a great story and it makes you think about things that you don't normally think about. And I like that. Right. So I was just looking online to see, like, what was what are we looking at for the budget on seasons one and two? I don't think we see one for season one. There doesn't seem to be a consensus for one on season one. Season two is about $45 million. So when you amortize that over eight episodes... That's like five and a half million per per episode, which like that's not it doesn't in the grand scheme it doesn't seem like a lot of money, but like it's still quite a bit of fucking money that you put on a show that no one's fucking watching, you know? Even though they should. Right. But like I, I would love to if Netflix went back in because they started doing this this top ten thing where they re- released hours for like the, the top ten most viewed stuff. I would love to see if back in the day, like, I'd love to see the historical data and see, like, is the OA on any of these lists at all? Because if it's not, that tells you everything you need to know about the show. Like, if after season two, it's not it's not showing up and the money isn't showing up on in, in terms of people watching the show, then there's no reason for you to keep going with it. Well, I don't think that there was a whole lot of push behind this series either, if I recall. Like there wasn't a whole Netflix isn't great about no. advertising their shit, and I think I just found it by happenstance when I was flipping through trying to find something. So it's kind of a right. little miracle that we even seen it. The OA wanted us to see it, Bubby. That's why we saw it. So then we could fight for her, save the OA. The OA. Let me is see what real. came. Let me see what came out that that week. We got the OA. We had Selling Sunset. Oh, I that's right. Sunset. The Dirt. The Dirt was that Jeff Tremaine uh, movie about Motley Crue. I understood Motley Crue. 
yeah, I mean, there's not much there, honestly. So yeah, either I, I think I think I remember Netflix's entire marketing that week being behind the dirt because you know it was like, oh look, Machine Gun Kelly's in a leading role as Tommy Lee. Check it out, Ooh. everybody. My God, speaking of that, I think Hulu's got. I think it's a TV series with Lily James and Sebastian Stan. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> that shit looks wild. All right, Bubby, is there anything else that you would like to say before we marry, bang, and kill? No, I've harped on enough about the, the fans being psychopaths and not understanding how business works, uh, which is a symptom of this country uh, to a degree uh, where people just don't understand how business works. Uh, but there are also times where business don't understand how people work. Uh, again, this is a, a show. This is entertainment. Be mad about something else that actually or fucking matters, it? like health healthcare prices. Please be mad oh about that God. instead of, you know, a television show that you like not being renewed. Well, now I'm mad about both, so thanks, <laughs> fucking wiener. All right, Bubby, who do you want to marry, bang, and kill from the OA? Uh, bang Renata uh, or, or bang Nina, specifically Nina, because... <laughs> No offense, but Prairie isn't exactly a great-looking woman. Nina is, even though they're the same fucking person in the, in the same body. And mm-hmm. it, it just jo- goes to show, like, what money does for people. I think that's one of, like, the, the little subtleties of the character. Like, Prairie obviously is like, oh, my God, I'm just, like, this girl that it doesn't matter what I look like. And her family's well, like, it doesn't matter what she looks like. Uh, Prairie also had a she very was hard life. Prairie's life and Nina's lives were very fucking different. Yeah, and Nina gets, like, all all this money to, you know, be whatever she wants to be. So, like, of course she looks different. So, uh, either one of those, uh, Mary, uh, come back to me, uh, Nancy, murder. Murder Nancy a million times forever. My god, Bubby, we are scarily in sync. So, I am also killing Nancy and banging Nina Azarova specifically. <laughs> and I'm marrying Kareem because he doesn't want any kids. Oh, good for Kareem. Yeah, right? That was like the whole thing was he was telling this story about his quote cousin or brother and this relationship he was in because like he didn't ever see himself finding somebody that made him happy or wanting to like be in a long term committed relationship with somebody. And then he found this woman and was like, he said, I don't believe in bringing children into this world. She said, cool. And then they were super happy together. And then all of a sudden she's like, I want a kid. And he's like, bye. The end. Bye. Bye, girl. You know, gift. Bye. That's yep. Everybody sees what you're doing there. Um. All right, Bobby. That's everything. Do mm-hmm. you have anything that you want to say? You're a butthole. You love buttholes, then. I do. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> you you had a lot more notes on this than, than me. I just kind of wanted to be your sounding board and you know offer some counterpoints and some perspective. Okay, then let me see what else I got in my stinking old notes. Oh, the note. So fucking when Prairie tells Abel, she's like, I left you that note. I figured you wouldn't worry. He's like, what note? And Nancy kept that note that Prairie had written hidden away and then lied about it. And at the end of the fucking, I think in the last episode, she shows it to him and she's like thinking it's going to be a bonding moment. And he is so fucking pissed, like as he should be. Like it just shows the level of selfishness that that woman has. It's fucking gross. All my homies hate Nancy. They should. Oh, there's one moment um, where Steve makes a that's what she said joke with BBA there that I found hilarious. Um, There is they have this whole concept of because there's this one other quote traveler that Hap meets that is able to do interdimensional travel. And apparently tinnitus is a side effect of interdimensional travel, which is probably, I guess I'm a traveler because I have like 15 yeah, different pictures in my ear. Travelers. What was I saying? So, shit, what was I saying? Oh, so she was talking about how you can't get rid of the people, like there's certain people that are tied together across all dimensions. So in the second dimension, we're seeing like when they're looking at missing kids, you'll see like Steve and Jesse and French be pictured like on the thumbnails. Um and then it turns out that, like, they're in the head garden from the people who, like, ruined that were in the house, which, if you haven't watched the show, I'm making no sense, and probably none of this had made sense, so watch the fucking show. That's um, true. But that was just kind of cool to see, like, those little ways that they showed how they were all still connected without actually having to have a big flashing arrow at it. 
Um, oh, and then there's another part that was so sweet, like showing the development of Steve and how far he's come. So the kids in season two, they're all on that fucking road trip. And as they're standing by the side of the road, a car backfires and Jesse starts mm-hmm. having major PTSD panic attack. And like everybody has like a response, but he is the most affected by it. And like most of the people are like, come on, man, it's okay. Let's go. And when they're sitting, I think in a bus or whatever, Steve comes up to him and is like, here, rest your shoulder. Like lets him lay his head on him to like rest and like have companionship, which I love that. Um, I was not expecting Jesse to die. I thought for sure that they would be able to bring him back, even watching mm-hmm. it through the second time. So that was kind of heartbreaking. Right, because you see the Scott thing, and you're like, oh my god, well this has to happen. He has to come back. There's no question about it. Yeah, they did. He got to do a lot with that character in his final episode, um, so I should have known, but I just didn't want to believe it. That's it. So, oh, and then the other point that I forgot or didn't make sense until I was watching it through this time, when Steve jumps in the back of the ambulance at the end of season two, Hap recognizes him too, because in that water garden with the fucking ear plants mm-hmm. OA pulled Steve out and was crying over him so he was like oh fuck which was it was satisfying to see that right. Hap wasn't going to get away with everything or that you think he won't get away with everything because who knows we'll never know that's open to interpretation hashtag ambiguous ending and there's ambiguous endings that are good and then there's uh, cliffhangers that are they're clearly what this this that ending was like again yeah. like i said the first the first ending uh, the ending of season 1 completely ambiguous ending the ending of season 2 very clearly leading in a specific direction cliffhanger that i'll never get resolved that's okay it's fine i'm over it are you no but i will be I'll be fine. It's just hard to rewatch it because I fall in love with this show all over again, but I only know that it's leading to disappointment because there's no real ending, and that sucks. But it's still an enjoyable show to watch. All right, that's it. Bubby, do you have anything that you want to say? Not necessarily about the show, just about life and angels Uh, and afterlife. Yeah, the Iceman cometh. You are so difficult today. All right. (laughs) I'm going to go murder him and turn off the microphones and all recording equipment. Laters! Goodbye forever. What, listen to Stacking Triggers. See, that's what I was trying to give you the fucking opening for, to say whatever you wanted to say like that. What? Why are you the person? Oh my god, fuck you. Okay, bye, people! There'll be no strings to bind your hands Not if my love can bind your heart Take a stand, for it was I who chose to start. I see no need to take me home. I'm old enough to face the the night.